Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to talk to you about ordinary people and bold faith. Ordinary people and bold faith. That's encouragement for me today because if it takes extraordinary people to have bold faith, we're all toast. We're all toast, but God is using some ordinary people to do great things. Here's my question to you. Are you a bold Christian? Are you a bold Christian or are you a, are you a timid Christian? Are you, a, are you a cowardly Christian? And I know that there are plenty of us in here. Every one of us have to face this stuff as we face friends, we face culture, we face challenges, we are constantly in a state of choosing between God and the world. If you are choosing the world over God, then I want to put you over in the passive, timid category. What I want to do today is I want to move as many of you from being passive and timid to being bold in your, in your faith. Do, here's, here's some other ways that you can answer this. Do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Does your boss know you're a Christian? Do your employees know that you're a Christian? Will your waiter know today after church that you're a Christian? How many of you are going to do this number or you have done this? When it comes time to pray, you put your head down like you have a headache. You know what I'm saying? And then you, you pray. Uh, maybe the server comes up and interrupts your prayer. Are you going to stop and receive the food and then continue the prayer? Or are you going to finish talking to the Lord? That's, there's a number of ways that I can say this. Or when you are choosing um, between something that is convenient versus something that is right or righteous, are you choosing the things that are convenient? Because if you are, then you're a passive or timid Christian. Now, I... Reminds me of a story I heard about a little boy that had a mangy old mutt dog. Now, growing up, we had this mangy old mutt dog. We, we adopted this dog. It adopted us. We named him Rough. And he was rough. His, his, he had one eye and his little feet were like this. He walked around like this all the time. His teeth were so crooked, he could eat corn on the cob through a fence. I mean, this guy, he, he was trouble. And um, we wouldn't let him in the house. He was just too gross. We left him outside. We fed him. We took care of him. Hurricane Andrew hit our home dead on category five, wiped everything out, knocked the house down, knocked my dad's church down, the, the, the trees down. Every tree was gone. I mean, there were two by fours through palm trees. It was something else. You know, let me tell you what happened to poor Ruff. June, we left rough outside. It was on accident. I was, they were dropping me off at college. My dad had bigger things he was planning on. Poor little rough was left outside in a category five hurricane and he did not come back for a week. When he came back, um, anytime a little cloud, a little storm cloud would show up on the horizon, that dog freaked out like no dog. I understand. I understand. This is rough. I imagine this is what this little boy's dog looked like. This little mangy mutt of a dog. Guy went up to this little boy. He said, hey, son, what kind of dog is that? He said, this is a police dog. This is a police dog. Ronnie, this is a police dog. Wow. I've never seen a police dog that looked like that. That's what the old man said. He said, oh, you don't understand this. He's in the secret service. He's in the secret service. Some of us are like that. We're like undercover Christians. We're secret service Christians. You look and there's not enough evidence to find us guilty in a court of law that we are a Christian. Let me tell you what, Pathway Church, there ought to be a difference between us 
and people in the world. You know, there, there ought to be some evidence that we follow Jesus Christ. It ought to show up in our life. Is that true? Y'all believe that today? Amen. Amen. That's what it's going to take. In this, in this moment, this cultural moment, the only thing that's going to change the world are people that are bold in their faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, strong in the Lord, and believing that what happens in this book can happen in this house. What happens in this book should happen in our lives. Not some watered-down duplicate, some replica of something we've seen somewhere else, but I'm talking about the real deal, holy field in our life, the real thing, genuine, authentic relationship with the Lord. I'm thinking about some of those lives. The last several weeks, I've been talking about one of my friends that's here in the church, Fabian Jandrew. Fabian is over at airport campus today. In fact, they just prayed for him. Today is his last Sunday at Pathway Church. Uh, Fabian uh, has been at Pathway Church serving the Lord, radically saved and transformed for one year. And he's leaving today. He's getting ready to move to Poplar Bluff, Missouri, where he's just gotten a job as a police officer. Aren't you thankful for our police officers today? I'm thankful for you, Fabian. Thursday night, Fabian showed up to church. That's, that's his service. And I love preaching Thursday night. I get to get this preach out one time before Sunday comes. It's the first of our services for the weekend. And I love seeing Fabian and Leanne there. And usually during the message, this tough guy, this, this cop, this strong dude is just over there, tears coming down his face as God's touching his life. After service on, on Thursday night, Fabian brought a check. He gave it to Pastor Chad and he said, Pastor Chad, I want you to put this check. And it was a really good sacrificial check that Fabian gave. Leanne gave a check as well over to buy a tree. But the legacy campaign, legacy people campaign check Fabian gave, he said, I want you to make sure that this money goes into our new campus across the bay in Baldwin County. He said, here's why. Because somewhere along the way, somebody at Moffat campus right here gave a check to build airport campus. And because of that, I came to know Jesus. I know that there's a Fabian just like me over in Baldwin County. And I want to give my check to help start that campus. Can we just bless the Lord? Is that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm so thankful for that. That's bold. Now, some people will tell you, Fabian, and they'll tell others that are new to Christ, don't worry, that excitement, those tears, that energy, it'll wear off. You know, as the novelty of following Christ will wear off. Let me tell you, if you're sitting on the row with somebody like that, don't let their wet blanket put out your fire. You just turn up the volume of your fire. You'll dry out their blanket. You can set the whole place on fire with the revival that God is bringing in your life. So Fabian, as you move to Poplar Bluff, and I know you have a really great church that you're going to there, but as you go, I want you to take that same Holy Spirit, the same Jesus that has gotten a hold of you and take it to Poplar Bluff with you. Not just to the church, but also in that squad car. And you minister your, to your fellow officers. And you know, when you give somebody a speeding ticket, do it in the name of Jesus. I don't know how you do that, but you do it in the name of Jesus. And, um, and you know, when you arrest somebody, because you know, people get in trouble and they do things, you arrest them, you do everything that you're supposed to do. But as you do it, you minister to them also. You just let the love of God work in your life. Come on, we can bust somebody in the name of Jesus too, right? We, we, need, we need folks that'll do that. We, how many, aren't you thankful we have godly teachers and, and, and godly mayors and godly council members and, and pray the Lord we have godly pastors, but we also need godly police officers too, don't we? So we're just so thankful for God doing that inside of you, Fabian. Now, one of the things I loved about Fabian is they, they were asking him at the church you were going to, they said, um, 
Let me, they were telling him about the things their church did. And this is just bonus. I just want to share this with you. And he said, well, let me, he said, let me tell you what my church does. He, no, he said, what does your church do for your community? He said, because my church does everything for their community. I love that. I just had to share that, Fabian. You take that energy to that awesome church that you have and you don't tone it down, you ramp it up. The reason is because God uses ordinary people if they're bold in their faith to do great things for God. The pressure, Pathway Church, is for us to be passive, for us to be timid, for us not to offend anyone, not to force our faith on anybody. Listen to me. You better pay attention because there is a religion in this pop culture, in this popular culture that is being forced on you. You better know who you are. You better know whose you are. You better raise up your children to know the Lord and you better be salt in this world. Do not lose your flavor. Impact the world. Turn your light on. Let it burn. God wants to do something inside of us, but we got to be bold. We can't just work in the natural. This isn't just a natural life. This is a supernatural life. God is doing things through us that goes beyond math. It goes beyond logic. It goes beyond reason that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we get asked or think, more than we think that we're capable of. He wants to do that inside of each one of us. So let's just go ahead and go to Acts chapter four. Let's take a look at this and we'll be in Acts four looking at uh, Peter and John. Luke is writing to us explaining a situation where bold faith was needed uh, by Peter and John. And, you know, they had had some challenges. Peter obviously had had challenges. Remember, he denied Jesus. Let, let's look and see where he is in Acts chapter four. Acts four, I want to give you th- three verses really quick and then I'm going to come on back through four. We're going to look at uh, Acts chapter four, verse 13, Acts chapter four, verse 29, and then also we're going to look at verse 31. Here's what they say. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Say that with me. Boldness. I want you to listen to that word. They were amazed when they saw the, say it again, boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Hey, I want to I be recognized as somebody that has been with Jesus. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great, say it with me, boldness. Come on, you got to put some stank on that. Help me out. With boldness, great boldness in preaching your word. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness, boldness. Three times Luke uses the word boldness in this chapter. And it's interesting how this works out. I, I know God has a plan, but the first time that the word boldness was used was in reference to God, the son. The second time in verse 29, uh, the word boldness was used. It was used in reference to God, the father. And then in verse 31, the word boldness was used to describe the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. So three times this is used. So here's a question we're going to ask. What is boldness? Well, boldness isn't arrogance. It isn't rudeness. It isn't brashness. Um, Boldness, you know, being bold isn't being pompous, getting out writing checks that we can't cash, saying things, making promises we can't live up to, being arrogant, rude, loud. That's not what it is. Even though we all have the ability to be loud, we should be energetic. We should believe in what it is that we do. And boldness can also be just simply handling the word of God right. Boldness can be doing what's right versus doing 
what's convenient. Boldness can be a gentle word spoken at a fit and appropriate time to speak up and say something when you need to say something. Here's basically boldness is the courage to stand for Jesus right in the face of hostility, right in the middle of opposition. And we kind of have some of that today. Let me give you some background here on Acts chapter four. In Acts chapter three, uh, the apostles come upon a man who is lame. He's been lame since birth and he was left outside the gate beautiful. The gate beautiful uh, is a gate on the eastern side of the temple. It's uh, built with Corinthian brass. It's beautiful. I mean, that's why it's called the gate beautiful. And he was laying, the lame man was laying on the wrong side of the gate and the apostles walked through. When they walked through, he's asking for alms. The reason he's asking for alms is because he's lame from birth and he can't work. So he's dependent on people helping him. Now, Peter and John, they come to him and this is this one famous phrase that you've heard. Uh, They said, silver and gold have I none. You've heard that phrase before. But this I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, I'd love to have some silver and gold, but if I'm a lame man from birth and I get to walk for the first time, you keep your money, Jerry Maguire. You know, you go ahead and just keep it right where it is. But me, I want to walk. I want to live. I want to breathe. I want to move. I want to stretch my legs. I want Can you imagine how amazing that felt? And so this miracle happens. Now, just on the inside, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They hated Jesus. And Jesus had been crucified, buried, had been raised from the dead. And these apostles who had been eyewitnesses of this, now were going out and preaching the gospel. There are people that had denied Jesus. There are people that had run. There are people that were afraid. Their lives were on the line. And now they're out preaching the gospel. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't like it, but they couldn't dispute the fact that a miracle had taken place. You know, my dad told me many times, and I've heard him preach it many times, and I know he probably ripped it off from somebody else, but he would say, son, you know what? A person, a Christian with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. When you have been in the presence of God, When God has touched you, has anybody ever received a miracle? God ever done something in your life and nobody, it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter if it's the president, it doesn't matter if it's a Nobel Prize winner, it doesn't matter if it's a celebrity, if they argue with you, say, you know what, say what you want, but I have been with Jesus. I have seen the miraculous take place. It's awesome. When you've been delivered from an addiction, when God has placed your family back together, boy, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So they couldn't dispute what God had done. Let me tell you, when they cannot stop you, when they can't stop your faith, they will do everything they can to contain your faith. And this is what they tried to do with Peter and John. They, they just wanted, they didn't want to stop them. They couldn't stop them, but they tried to get them contained. There's a lot of things that contain us, that can contain us. Affirmation can contain us. You get invited to the right groups and you can come in, you'll say the right things. If you'll act the right way, you just have to sign this. You just have to conform to this. There are a lot of ministries, a lot of destinies, a lot lot of purposes that God has had for our lives that have been sidetracked because we love the things of this world or the approval of people more than we love the working of God. Listen, sometimes the platforms we've been thrown off of are for our own blessing so that we can, we can build platforms that will allow the work of God to function. That business or that opportunity that you got ejected from because 
of your faith. Now, I'm not asking you to be rude. I'm not asking you to be arrogant. But I'm saying sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is we can be rejected from a friendship at school because of our faith so that we'll instead go over and find a new set of friends or create a new set of friends where our faith can thrive. You know what? There's no friendship, no relationship that's worth losing out with Jesus. How many of you believe that today? You'd rather have Jesus than anything today. Peter and John, they were, they were in this place and the disciples, the apostles were faced with the choice of bowing down to these Pharisees who were trying to get them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Acts chapter four, verse eight. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel. So, okay, let me bring this to LA here, to to lower Alabama, right? Let me bring this, let me bring this to South. He said, let me tell y'all something. No, let me tell all y'all something because there's a difference between y'all and all y'all. He said, let me just tell, let me t- tell your mom and them. Let me tell everybody that you got. I just want, let me write this thing. Let me put this note on a carrier pigeon to send you this tweet, this telegram, this email. I just want to make it plain for you to understand. I want to clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And as if that wasn't good enough, he went on and said, you know, the man that you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So he wrote the sentence and he said, "Mm," exclamation point. And he just sent it right on home. Now this is Peter speaking. Peter isn't passive anymore. He's not timid anymore. He's He's not palatable anymore. He's not denying Jesus anymore. You know, hey, a little girl asked Jesus, asked Peter, hey, aren't you that guy that's been hanging out with Jesus? He curses and denies Jesus right there. Curses like, no, obviously it's not me. You must be thinking of someone else. No, man, this is a changed man. This is a changed man. This is the man in my faith that gave me faith. Because something happened with him that he would go on to be crucified upside down. Why would he be crucified upside down when he wouldn't stand for Jesus when he was alive. Must have been something. Must have been the resurrection. That's the only thing I could think. That's what happened to my 17-year-old mind. That's what happened. Something's different about Peter. He's not a coward anymore. He's not denying Jesus anymore. And right here, the Pharisees are trying to put him on trial. But notice, Peter isn't on the defense anymore. In fact, sometimes you get pushed right into the spotlight and you're having to fend people off. Look what Peter does. He just like pivots. He just, it's coming at him. He just pivots right over. So he's no longer on defense. Now it sounds like he's the prosecuting attorney. He says, I know you're telling me to shut up, but let me tell you, this man, this crippled man, he was raised up off of his cripple mat because Jesus, the man that you crucified, has raised him up today. I think there's just need, we just need to have a pivot in the church. Why don't you stop looking at what the world is trying to do to you and you bring the love and power of Jesus Christ right on into the world? You know, let people say whatever they want to say about you, but you proclaim God with your words and with your deeds. Just be like a duck. Just let it roll right off your back and you just keep 
on moving forward. Peter rolled this thing out and, and he, was, he was clear. Verse 10, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Listen, verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, and he starts quoting their own book to them. The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Let me just take a moment here to tell you what needs to be plainly stated that you ought to know that we forget sometimes and we think there's all other kinds of ways we can be saved. Listen, Jesus is the only way to God the Father. There is no other name by which you can be saved. Being good won't get you saved. Being good won't get you to heaven. Buddha won't get you to heaven. Muhammad won't get you to heaven. Success won't get you to heaven. The right friends and the right acceptance, the right number of followers won't get you to heaven. The only way you go to heaven is by placing your trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins. Pathway Church, stop sinning. Repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus. Listen, if you're shacked up, stop it. Start loving Jesus. Follow Jesus. If you're lying, if you're gossiping, if you're blowing up Facebook with a bunch of drama, repent of that stuff and follow Jesus. Is it okay if I say that today? Is it all right? Y'all mind if I say it? I could say some other things. Look, bottom, bottom line, here's what I'm asking. Love God more than you love anything else. And you place your trust, push all the chips into the middle of the table and say, God, if who uses a gambling analogy to talk about Jesus? <laughs> Help me out with that. Give, give God everything you have. Give him everything you have. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Give him your family. Trust him all the way. All the way. He's the only way to be saved. Now, if you say that, if you say that now in this culture, the world will say you're bigoted, you're closed-minded. You guys can help me out if you know any. You're closed-minded. Oh, that's conversion therapy. And you say all kinds of things. That's, that's, that's closed-minded. That's old-fashioned. That's old school. That's, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. They'll say all the kinds of things. But you know what else they ought to say? They ought to say that's a Bible-believing Christian right there. Because there's a bunch of Christians that have syncretized with the world. They've adopted this and that. Hey, you know, the gospel is not a buffet that you can pick and choose from. If you can pick and choose from the Bible what you believe, it's not the Bible you believe in but yourself. We get everything or we get nothing. But if you say that stuff, then the world's going to have an issue. But they need, they need to know it because if we don't know what sin is, then we won't have a reason to be saved. We won't have a reason to place our trust in Jesus Christ. I say, let's just, at this point, let's get over worrying about what people think. You know, be kind, be kind. But at some point we have to believe it, believe it. We have to live it. We have to preach it and love God and love people and then just let the chips fall where they may. That's how your kids will get to heaven. That's how your neighbors will get to heaven. That we have to accept Jesus for who he is and go after him. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other 
name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's a bold thing to say. It's bold to turn to the people who crucified Jesus and to say, you crucified him and Jesus is the one that has raised this man from the dead and there is no salvation in the other name. That's bold today. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, baby, that's bold. That's bold. That's bold. Verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people that know a lot about the scriptures, but don't know a lot about Jesus. And if all you do is put God's word in your mind, but Jesus hasn't transformed your heart, you're just a well-informed sinner. You're just a clever devil. You're, 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 You're just someone who has a lot of knowledge for which you'll be accountable for later. But when you have a relationship with Jesus, when God's word has made its way from your mind and into your heart and it has transformed how you live your life, then God is up to something in you. We've got to give God every single area of our life. These are the things that are the root of our boldness. What is the root of our boldness truly? I believe it's rooted, it's found in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So let me give you these three things that'll give you bold faith. Number one, stay in close relationship with God the Son. Stay in close relationship with God the Son. If you don't have a relationship with God the Son, you will never be bold in your faith because no one is bold about something that they don't truly believe in. Acts chapter four, verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They said, Jesus did this. Jesus did this work. You can say that today over something that God has done in your life. Let me tell you, Jesus is real to me. He's, he's real to me. Ronnie, you're real to me. Jesus is as real to me as you are to be. Sean, Jesus is as real to me as you are to me. Pathway, he's real. When I was a kid, I had really bad nightmares. And the doctor called them night terrors. And I would have like three recurring dreams. I would wake up, but I wasn't awake. My eyes would be open and I would run into things and I would wake up in rooms that I didn't go to sleep in. Sometimes I would get out of the house. I mean, it's terrible. I pray for my parents, you know, they locked me in the house. Sometimes I would wake up and my dad would be pouring water on me or smelling salts uh, like ammonia snaps. It was a terrible thing to wake up to and it felt violent. And, and my dad would talk me through that. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's embarrassing when you're spending the night at a friend's house or you're at a youth group lock-in. And that stuff is going on. That, that's awkward, wouldn't you say? Like if, ha- if that happened around one of your kids, wouldn't you be like, hey, don't hang around with the Johnson boy. That's a little weird, you know? I hope he's okay. He's probably on something. My dad told me this. He said, son, whenever you're afraid, you just call on the name of Jesus. I will never forget the night, middle of the night, I woke up in my grandfather's house in Waimama, Florida, I woke up, I had had a night terror, and in the middle of that nightmare, I began to call on the name of Jesus. 
And I had an experience with the Holy Spirit of God that no one can refute. It was mine. It was mine. And God provided a way out. God delivered me. I always had the answer for those dreams. After that, I stopped being afraid. God worked that whole situation out in my life. One of the reasons I think the Lord did that to me is because I have a little bit of skepticism in the way that I live. You know, I, people tell me things and I kind of want to verify it a little bit. And you know, I've, being a pastor's kid, I've been around a lot of church stuff. You guys have been around some church stuff too, right? Has anybody seen spiritual manipulation? Have you ever seen something that happened? You're like, I know that was not the Lord. You're like, I may stand here and I may not say anything, but that, that was weird. You're like, was that on the live stream? Because I'm going to go play that back again. And, and so I think for me, it was like my experience with the Holy Spirit, nobody could take it away from me because it wasn't imitated. I didn't watch somebody else do it. It was a gift to Travis Johnson as a kid, as I called on the name of Jesus. Listen, Jesus is real. He's real to me. I want to say this. Jesus is real to you as well, if you let him be. When you're going through challenges, when you're facing obstacles, I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you. He's there in that tumult that you have in your marriage, your, your relationships and your finances. Jesus is there as your kids are growing up and they're leaving or, uh, you know, they have some kind of challenge that they're facing. Listen, Jesus, that cancer diagnosis, Jesus is real right in the middle of that diagnosis. I just want you to know it's true. That's true. Pastor, you don't understand. Everything is just so challenging now. I mean, Jesus isn't allowed in the schools anymore. That's not true. That isn't true. That isn't true. But pastor, there's so much, they, there are things that they're pushing, they're, they're, they're keeping they're keeping God out of school. They're not. They can't. It's impossible. You think a school board can keep Jesus out of the school? <laughs> I've heard it said, as long as there are tests, there will all be, always be prayer in school, <laughs> first of all. You know, going through TSA, I'm sorry, sir. You have liquids in your bag. You can't take this water on through. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, yes, I will. Oh, no, you won't. Glug, 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 bottle, trash. Now, what you going to do about that? It's going through. Let me tell you, let me tell you. When you go into school, when you go into your workplace, when you go into that relationship, when you go into that challenge, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what they say can or can't come in. Your faith can or can't be a part of that deliberation, that hearing. Listen, Jesus is inside of us. And any bold man or woman of God can go into any hospital in any situation, even if they put a muzzle on your face, you are taking Jesus in there with you. God is not limited by this moment, by this cultural challenge. Rise up, church, and be the men and women of God that he has called you to be in love with Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, going out in might and power and with a great deal of compassion to change this world. Do you believe that today? One more time, let's bless and honor the Lord. One of the roots of our boldness is our close relationship with God, with the, uh, God the Son. Another is our placing our confidence in God the Father. Now, when you're, when you're going into some challenges, when you're in a challenge, when you're down in the storm, 
It's so hard. It's so hard to see anything but the, but the storm. When you're down in the ditch, all you can see are the sides of the ditch. But get perspective. You're looking at something so small. Do you realize that the God of creation is working on your behalf? Is there anybody here that believes you're called according to God's purpose? That God has a plan for you? Do you believe that? Do you think that God has ever started wringing his hands going on, what am I going to do in this situation? Do you think God has ever once called an emergency meeting? God the Father calling God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you're doing right now, but come right now. We've got a problem and we got to figure out how we can solve it. God doesn't have to think about how to solve anything. He doesn't have to worry about you. He's got the whole thing taken care of. He's in control. And so Peter and John were down in this battle and What we see here is we see that they begin to remind themselves of of who God is. They remind themselves that they have knelt before God, that they have worshiped God, their creator. Let me just tell you today, if you know who you are in God, you don't have to second guess what God is doing in your world. You can trust him. You can trust him right down in the middle of the storm. Verse 24 When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God and listen to how they remind themselves, how they get perspective. This this is a prescription for you. As you're asking God to help you, look, by all means, ask God to do the miraculous in your life. Ask him, do that. But as you do, know that there is a great deal of confidence that God has this thing. They said, oh, sovereign Lord, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He's saying, this is who you are. He said, this is who God is. And these pipsqueaks right here is who man is. I mean, can you just see it as they frame it up, as they get perspective? These little ants shaking their fists at God. You will stop letting your name be used to heal people. Such a terrible thing. Such an atrocity that you would heal a lame man and make Jesus more famous. We're so angry at you. You better stop. I mean, I don't even know that God is going to even respond to that. It's like a mosquito. God's like, did you hear something? I didn't hear anything. What was that? Peter and John are going, I know that you are the creator and they're the creation and we're going to be faithful to you. Pathway Church, by all means, pray and by all means, seek God. But by all means, remind yourself of who God is. You can have great confidence in God the Father that he has a plan, that he is in control. If God is creator of all things, then he's in control of all things. And the things that Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. You may have thought that relationship breakup was a bad deal, but let me tell you, God worked in that so that I could have this. God worked in that because he he knew something better for me. Yes. We went through this challenging financial time, but look at how God used it to refine us, to make us ready for something else. We can have confidence in him. 
You spoke long ago, verse 25. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors, David, your servants saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Pastor, what happened next? What happened next? Did they make it out? Well, let me ask you this. How did Pathway Church get here? How did we get here? How did the gospel make it all the way to Mobile, Alabama? Because there were bold men and women of God who stood in the face of the pressure of the Pharisees and Sadducees and declared the word of God, knowing that God controls it all. And he's the constant, we're the variable. All we have to do is roll up the next to him and stop second guessing God. God, we believe you, we will follow you and you will do your good work, amen? Amen, praise the Lord. No, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. That explains it. That's why my dad was able to say in his diagnosis, he said, son, I just want every single breath I have to matter to the Lord, matter to people. I just want to be used of the Lord because we don't have to be afraid. We can trust the Lord. And then lastly, I want you all to stand. Airport campus, please stand along with us. Everyone online, just turn your hearts to the Lord right now. Close in our relationship with Jesus, confident, confident in God the Father, and then finally empowered by God the Holy Spirit. We want relationship. We want to be secure in our relationship. We want to be confident in the Lord. But you know what? That's not all that God has for us. He's not just looking for well-adjusted Christians. He wants us to be empowered to take ground. Ronnie, don't think for a second that the gospel is less powerful today than it was 20 years ago. The same Holy Spirit that was working 20 years ago is working now. The same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is at work in Memphis. It's at work in Mobile. It's at work in Paraguay. It's at work in Cambodia. It's at work in all of these Christmas tree tents. God has a plan for your school, for your workplace. God doesn't want you just to make it and just survive, but God wants you to take ground. This is his city. This is his family. This is his church. We will move forward in the power of God. Do you believe that? Listen, listen to this. Verse 31, 29 to 31. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, listen to this. This is the kind of prayer I want prayed in this house. This is the, listen to me. This is the kind of prayer that we need to be praying in this house. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. June, we gotta have the power of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this house. That's the only way our families are gonna make it. That's only, the world is raging. Idolatry ideologies are churning, values and mores are being pulled under their unraveling and a weak, emaciated, scrawny, timid, 
passive church isn't gonna do, do anything except be eaten alive. Listen, Pathway, go all the way with Jesus. Give him everything that you need. I want all of you to do it. I want all of you to do it. But if just one person will do it, if just one person will be bold in their witness, empowered by the Holy Spirit, then God will do a mighty and powerful work in us, in us, ordinary people with a bold faith. And that's what we're believing for. Every corner of the city, every patch of ground on this earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want to play, pray earthly prayers. We want to pray heavenly prayers that God will transform us. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.